here we go. So uh, welcome everybody to this uh, podcast and also this kind of training which is going to be put on YouTube as well. So um, this is the um, leadership, the legal leadership podcast, um, all things legal and is focused on the untold truth about what it is like to lead or even operate within the legal industry. We've got the Brilliant Ian McCann, from, who is the CEO of, and founder of um, Legal Studio with us today. And I met Ian about a couple of months ago. Um, I've been following a lot of his uh, posts on LinkedIn. And what I loved about Ian, and still do love about Ian, is how honest he is with regards to legal practice and what actually goes on. He's not one of those people that will bury his head in the sand and just hope for the best and think things will turn out tickety-boo. Ian is, to me, one of the type of leaders that we should be having within the sector. And I'm going to throw it over to you, Ian, if you could just give us a bit of an introduction about who you are, um, your business, and a bit of your journey to where you've got to today. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Donna. I mean, yeah, I'll do my very best to live up to that and almost inevitably <laughs> fall short. Um, so uh, so th thank you very much for that incredibly kind introduction. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ian McCann. I'm the CEO at, at Legal Studio. Um, we exist to help lawyers enjoy work. Um, now, that sounds uh, – two things. One, it sounds ridiculously aspirational, and two, also quite fluffy, quite fluffy and, right, okay, what does that mean? Um the, the brutal reality is is this, is that we found in our experience, and it's me and one of my partners, Matt, who sort of founded the business, and, and, and Hannah, who's my other colleague and shareholder and director, all three of us have trained uh, at, at the time, very large law firms. Matt and I, when we trained, were both at the largest law firm at the world at, at that? that point. Yep. Uh, so I was at Baker McKenzie. Oh, that uh, was a long time ago there. I'm only really joking. <laughs> the while, oh, yeah, exactly, yes. He's round about the Boer War when I was training. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, and Matt was training at DLA Piper, um, yes. as was, it was Diblupt and Broom. Anyway, various different names. Um, and one of the things that we realised that we really liked was being a lawyer and giving legal advice to clients. One of the things that we all realised that we really did not like was how we were made to do that. And a lot of law firms seem to have what I would call the kind of inverse Steve Jobs mentality. Um, so there's the famous Jobs quote about why hire intelligent people and, and tell them what to do. Uh, well, that seems to be the kind of law firm recruitment mantra. Let's, let's bring people in and then let's make them do what it is we think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then wonder why in that environment they don't flourish. So... Our plan was to create a space where lawyers could focus principally on what works for them, both in terms of what they do, how they do it, when they do it, where they do it, and how much of it that they do. Yes. And the simple rationale for that is we found in our experience that happy lawyers are better lawyers. And they're better for the client. They're better yeah. for their friends, their families, but they're also better for themselves. And, and the key to that happiness we have found is autonomy. Now, 
not total autonomy, however, in the sense of you're out there, you're all alone, you do everything, because that's even harder. And a lot of most lawyers are used to a level of... Yeah. yeah. So would you say then you've got the autonomy and a, a bit of a structure around that to help, you know, keep in line with your um, legal studios? Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's, it's autonomy with support. And it's freedom yeah. and flexibility, but with that support and that inf the infrastructure, but also a team of like-minded colleagues who you can work with as much or as little as you want. And so you can benefit from cross-referral and co-working. Yeah. Or you don't have to. You know, if you want to just sit in your corner and do your thing, that's okay. And and the the more and you know what what how we've described it is we've got a, a lot of support options and we describe it as a menu, because yeah. the thing about that is you know one week you might only want to order starters, there might be two weeks where you don't eat at all, and in the third week you go and have the full a la carte. That's fine, no problem. Pick and choose what works for you. The right. only rule is, as with so, ever with every. So your model really gives lawyers a lot of autonomy not just not just in how they're working daily but a lot of autonomy over what direction they probably want to take their career as well in terms of building their own clients they decide who they work for what kind of work they do and you have the framework in place there to support that am i right yeah that's exactly yeah. right yeah, yeah that's exactly right and okay. and and I think the the the, the very the very sort of straightforward way I describe it is it's your choice as to whether you decide to if you want to build you know increase the turnover of your business great you want to do that that's fine or do you want to take the turnover that you've currently got and do it in four days or three days or two okay. and a half so you've got that you flexibility know, like. Brilliant. Exactly. Imagine, exactly. But imagine um, being offered that coming out of a um, and your early legal career compared to sitting working. I was going to say nine to five, but that's just a joke. It's not nine to five. It's like half seven in the morning to like ten o'clock at night. I was going to say it's nine till nine in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then being really told this is the work you 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 are going to do. Obviously, the, you do have some control over like, the type of organization that you work in and making the choice of what area of law you want to um work but as you said it's the how it's the how you go about doing it gives control back to people and like I, I don't know what age you qualified at um Ian but when I qualified a little bit older because I had um I did my degree and then had a bit of a life in between and then um decided mm -hmm. to practice but at that stage like I was in my mid to late 20s and at that stage I just thought whenever I was coming in to train and, and in all the other firms that I kind of have been exposed to that I just think sometimes you treated like a child and mm, I just yeah. start back and say hang on a second I'm a freaking adult treat me like an adult we're both adults here that we're not it's not submissive but it, but it, it's the tension it's the it's a t for me, it was the tension between the two, which is being being in some respects treated like a child, but then also being essentially told to scare on with it. Um, 
you know, d so uh, so yeah. off, off 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 you go off you go entirely unsupported into the wild blue yonder. But by the way, that blue filing sheet on the front of there should have been green. And what are you doing, you idiot? You know, it, it, it's that that really interesting thing that perpetually, from a psychological point point, perpetually keeps you off kilter because you can't work out what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to pick it up and run with it. Psychological torture, if you think about it. Sorry, I'm going to come in here with a bit of a psychology on that because, um, and this this goes back to one of the things I know we talked about before, Ian, about good leadership. If if leaders or partners or anyone who's given work to anyone else, doesn't matter what age they are, if you don't set out the rules of the game beforehand, and then you try to give someone freedom to get them to get on with it. You, what you're doing is you tell them they have power and they feel freedom and then you bring in the, in these tight controls you away. As, yeah and and that internally can cause massive distrust and leaders don't even realize that they're doing it well, and and it and it's also chronically destabilizing for the individual and oh, and, yeah. and also um, and I mean, you know, kind of spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, it turns out I found out when I was an adult that I'm autistic. Um, and with th that kind of stuff, with anyone who's neurodivergent, yes. is it's not like akin to torture. It is. It's just it doesn't work. I mean, a practical example that, that I, I will refer to, and I'm not going to say which firm or what, what scenario, but essentially yes. we, were given a we were given a job. It was urgent. I therefore deployed the resource that I had available to me and i got it done in a very short period of time but in a very resource intensive way the client loved the end result however afterwards it was kind of like a, well you didn't have to do it that fast you know it wasn't that urgent i'm like well then where where is the line the priority like, between urgent and sort of urgent a bit urgent not really urgent don't go overspending on this like where so for control. me how was i supposed to know that and i completely can relate to that ian and this kind of goes into um one of the questions i wanted to ask you as well and um, because your private practice mostly i'm in house and these are the same issues within house and in private practice yeah. um because in mm -hmm. private because in one of the problems that i help in house lawyers do is to set out that infrastructure and structure so that there is clarity on what priority is and what priority is. And so it's setting the ground rules up front. And because in house is slightly different, you also kind of have to agree that with your um, stakeholders in house, not clients, stakeholders. So um, that is a big, big thing, a, biz a big business thing that all people should be doing. If you don't have anybody who's listening, or watching, if you don't have that in place and you're feeling distressed in your job, the problem, the reason probably is, is because you don't have that infrastructure in place. So if you don't have it, you now have um, the go ahead from Ian and I to speak to your bosses to say, look, the reason why we're probably feeling a little bit stressed and not knowing what to turn our hand to next, and the reason why we're getting a lot of push and pull, and we feel like we're we're not satisfying anybody is because we haven't worked out for ourselves um, the structure that we need to operate within that will give some controls against that. 
because absolutely. It, and, yeah, because as Ian have it, it can end up causing a lot of distress, especially for people with Asperger's. I've got, I found out recently I've got ADHD. And for me, that I am quite creative in my thinking. And so I will have, say, a sentence in my head and then it will go way off here and we'll go into, I'll be in China and you'll be in um, London and we're completely off in two different places. And that really restricts someone with my skill set, I would say, of being really, really, really creative. Absolutely. And, and, and also it, it's one of those things where those, I mean, like bringing on, so consultant lawyers, when you say to lawyers, right, you, you know, you can be in charge of where, when, how, what you do. Yes. Actually, you've also got to acknowledge that that is hugely, massively destabilizing as well, because that is, it's a new experience, but also, and it just inevitably happens with all new recruits in our, in our system. And I'm certain this is absolutely the way across every style of platform law firm which is for the first period of time, said lawyer is extraordinarily discombobulated by the fact that I am not sending them a spreadsheet and telling them about their productivity. I don't want to know where they are at every minute of every day. And actually, if they are, you know, if on Wednesday they've decided they can't be bothered and, you know, they're going to go and do it, that's great. Please feel free. But until you've explained that that structure exists and that that's okay and that is what we do here yes it, it does great and and you, you 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 need to know the rules of the game you operate in and, for, and also uh, sorry no. no 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 i'm agreeing with you and but it but it's also because the law the law as a profession i mean look i'm a commercial litigator by trade and training so um the the law as a profession and particularly any form of contentious subject mm-hmm. so um, you know, practice area has the potential to, for you to be simultaneously stabbed four times uh, in the top, the, you know, the back, the front, the top, and the bottom by the other side, the court, the regulator, and your own client, you know, and so the, the, and, and then your boss, yeah. So there's a fifth one. I don't know, you know, omni stabbing. I'm not sure where that goes. Um, but the, the the in that scenario, you end up under and a huge amount of self-created pressure because you are waiting for that moment when someone is trying to shaft you yes and 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 it's it's extremely unsettling but it's particularly unsettling if you don't know the rules of engagement whereby they may be able to do so and 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 so it's like right how does this work and and for me you know look mistakes happen we mess stuff up we are human it's never the cock up; it's always the cover up, right? You know, yeah, it's how you handle it. It's how you handle it, and it's also the fact that you acknowledge that it exists. Like lawyers, again, awful at complaint handling. Don't like complaints because oh, that means we were wrong and we have to be right because we're lawyers and we're right. Oh, well, we, do we need to tell the SRA? Oh my gosh, my practice is yeah, all of the all of this. Yeah, all this stuff. It's like no, hang on a minute. Complaints are an opportunity to learn because somebody somewhere felt upset. Now, we are not in charge of, nor can we govern their feelings. They are entitled to that feeling. Exactly. It may not be objectively justified. That's a totally different question. Yeah. So here's the thing. How did we get there? Is that something that we can improve? Is it something that we can change? Is it something yeah. that we are in charge of? Right. Great. It's a learning experience. Is it someone that is, you know, at the other end of the spectrum? Is it a blatant try on? Well, it might be. 
But does that really matter? Because we are learning through all of these processes. And also, here's the real kicker. Ladies and gentlemen, thank them for identifying themselves and allow them to move on. Because if they are just trying, you know, if they know the cost of everything and the value of nothing, yeah. they're not the right client for you anyway. So be allowed to have the power over an autonomy over your own stuff to go, thank you very much, but I'm not doing this anymore. Not yeah. for me. And, and that, comes, that, that there comes with another leadership. I know I talk about leadership a lot, yeah. um, but that comes with another skill and another thing that anybody would really need to do before they even choose where they want to go in terms yeah. of what type of career they want, um, what type, when they've decided that, um, if it's law, um, where they go within the law. And the big thing that I work with people on is um, understanding themselves and understanding their own value system and that the way that they operate, because I find, I don't know whether you see this in that, especially in the junior lawyers, that they're so keen to satisfy um, mm. other people and they put their value in someone else telling them that they're doing a good job or they're being accepted and that's that 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 can that can be um quite dangerous um as much as if it's 100 percent, if they don't quite know their own value system themselves because they need to know at what point do they stop asking and pleasing to yeah. understand and how satisfied they actually are where they are oh, we we are a profession Right. So we're a profession that suffers in no particular order or rank with extraordinary rates of imposter syndrome, um, uh, astronomical amounts of people pleasing, um, uh, for, you know, with a with an extraordinarily large dose of Ill, mental ill health because of probably points one, two and the, the working conditions. And the people pleasing element and your value system is a really intriguing one because, you know, as a junior lawyer, you do not get to choose what you work on. I completely accept that. But by the same token, you that external validation, and I'm only good if I'm being told that I'm good, it's really interesting. It's why, in my view, people continue to climb the partnership ladder, that and the imposter syndrome, they continue to climb the partnership ladder, notwithstanding that they've already decided it's not for them and it's going to be awful, because they've got to the top of that. They are now a partner. So look at me. I made it. I must be good. I'm a partner great and you know and, and then that then becomes the thing where and leadership does come into this uh -huh. which is in that scenario you then have a choice right you've made it as a partner so all of those toxic behaviors and traits and things and stuff that you had to go through do you a do what seemingly a large chunk of our profession sadly does and don't think it's, it's unique to our industry. I think it's, it is almost, it is yeah. called, well, it was good enough for me, so we're going to continue to subject to you. Or resilient, pull your socks up and pull your, pull your, tight, your, your um, whatever that yeah, is. You know, get, 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 you know get, get your big boy pants on and carry on. Right, carry okay, on. great. Or do you sit there and go, well, to be honest, all of that stuff was really shit and I hated it and it did me no good whatsoever. And I mentally quit this job a thousand times during that period. I'm not sure it helped me at all. Why are we doing it? Shall we try something different? And that is, unfortunately, and I, you know, I always risk getting pilloried for this, but that's a choice. Yeah. 
And an absence of making a choice in relation to that is a choice too. It's just an easier yeah, one because you don't exactly. have to do it. Exactly. So what would you say there, Ian, to um, anyone that is like coming into the profession and they're feeling maybe those feelings that you've said that you maybe mentally quit about 20 times? Because I, I know I was there too. Um, what would you say from your experience what someone in that situation should do if they're really really questioning should i be here why am i here i'm tired all the time um don't think i'm good enough because jack or frida or whoever over there just seems to be getting all the more interesting clients and uh, what would you recommend for them to do in that scenario it's interesting i mean because you know i can talk about that bloke because that bloke was me um, so what I did, which I would not recommend, is I left the law for a period of time, went into an entirely separate industry, and then went, oh, dear, what have I done? Uh, yeah. Turns out I was actually quite greener. a decent lawyer. Um, yeah, the grass is not green. If it is greener, it's artificial because um, they've spray-painted it. So the, that... <laughs> and this weed still coming up through. This seemed to cut through. Exactly. So... So uh, and and so the and that then meant that getting back into the profession was challenging, and then I was questioning as to how I could do it. So I think what what I would honestly say to people is is this: we are in the privileged position as lawyers where we can do two things which a lot of other people can't. Firstly, we can genuinely make a difference to human beings, and secondly, we can have a we can have and there's no point beating about the, the bush or not dancing around this handbag. We can have a very good standard of living in doing so. So you've got a career that can empower you to get have a very good life and also can empower you to assist others with it. Yes. But there's a fabulous book, that, and if you haven't read it or the audio book, I would shamelessly plug it. It's by a guy called Seth Godin. It's called This Is Marketing. And he has a very spoiler alert and probably, you know, but there's a simple phrase that he uses, which is people like us do stuff like this. And as a lawyer now the ways of practicing, the places of practicing, the firms and the values and the alignment of values, there has never been a better time to have a look at the market as a whole. Go niche, go small, go different. Yes, go ahead. Like, sorry, there's more opportunity now. There's so much more opportunity, but go ALSP, you know, go for an alternative legal services provider. It doesn't have to be a regulated law firm necessarily. Mm -hmm. The business of law has expanded and the options there to so, find your tribe and, and it is your tribe, then that works. Because if your values and theirs are aligned, you've got a higher prospect of happiness. Agreed. It's not guaranteed, but it's certainly a much higher prospect. Again, and again, I'm sorry just to plug my own stuff here, because mm -hmm. I just thought it's my podcast, so I thought I'd do that. I, mean, um, I think if anyone has the opportunity and right, you probably do, just saying. <laughs> yeah, so I do a big piece of work uh, with um, any lawyer, the First thing that I do with them whenever they come to me and they're feeling either stuck in their career or they feel that they um, are just completely overwhelmed or frustrated in their in-house job and they are thinking of actually leaving, the first thing I actually do with them is say, hang on a second, are you just out of alignment a little bit here? So one of the first things that we look at is their values and we look at maybe how themselves have stepped away from their own value system. And I'm going to share something really interesting with you. A lot of the time that I work with people who do that, 90% of them, and I have got this statistic from the people that I've worked with who have 
who have landed here, 90% of them actually realize they forgot their own value system. That's and they actually realize that whenever they remembered them, reminded themselves of that, and then started to align that mm -hmm. to the work that they're doing, they feel a little bit more happier. They've just got and, distracted from them onto loads of other things. And the definition of success is not objective. Of course. Su success is subjective. And and I, I, I did a post on this a while back, which I might have to dig back out and then, you know, basically rehash. But I, by, by objective standards, when I was, you know, I qualified into the dispute resolution team mm -hmm. of a you know, massive international law firm. You know, I had had astonishing, you know, I worked on astonishingly good clients and work. You know, it, objectively, I was successful. Now, my client base, well, I don't I don't do that much lawyering these days. Um, you know, I do a lot more people management and leadership. But, you know, my client base is, is a, you know, a millionth of what it used to be. You know, the yeah. very... But, but by my, but for me, what, but for what is important to me, I'm infinitely more successful now than I was then, because it's about by your own I'm, standards. Yeah, and what exactly. what is success for you? And you and the other element with the other element, I think, with junior lawyers and senior with lawyers, full stop, is there is this expectation that we are supermen and superwomen. and that we have always got all our shit together. That you know we've got. 2.4 perfect children and, and everything is wonderful and life is... You're right, okay. Uh, with with apologies for anyone, uh, that's not that's neither realistic nor is it helpful. No. And, and also, things like, you know, for you, you may only want to do three days a week or you might want to do four months on and then have to take two months and go travelling. Yeah. So what? Now, that's neither right nor wrong or indifferent. It's just a thing. A thing and that you are thing that you are and if you can match what you're looking for to what the firm that you work with partner with whatever you may be then you have a much higher prospect of happiness and success and and also you've you've got that i mean people talk about bringing their authentic selves to work now if i hear that, word, I hear that I, word again i'm gonna puke well the problem the problem i've got is i only know how it would be me Right. And I'm not very good. You know, I, I mean, I, I, well, now, having said that now, so before, prior to my diagnosis, I was a horrible masker in terms of so oh, masking is yes. autistic, autistic phenomenon of basically trying to pass for human. Uh, that's yeah. what I, that's my definition. It's not the medical definition. Um, there is, and now there I'm is, not. There is um, a lot of I was listening to uh, Stephen Bartlett, one of his podcasts mm. um, a few days ago. And he has a lot of people on to talk about neurodivergency. And um, he said that um, people who, who can mask it are very highly intellectual. They're, what it, what, what's the word that, I can't remember who he had on, but they said that um, anybody who can mask is considered high functioning. And you will never know. No one will ever know because they're so high functioning. And and and, and the, the challenge with all of that, and I, I, you know, as likewise, you you have a revulsion. I have a real I have a real issue with functioning labels when it comes to neurodivergence. Yeah. The reason being that a high functioning label is used to deny support, and a low functioning label is used to deny agency. So if you're described as low functioning, you don't get to make your own choices. If you're described as high functioning, then people go, well, well, you can't be autistic. I mean, if I had a pound for the well, the number of well, you don't look autistic, um, then frankly, I could retire. Um, 
the 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 other the other uh, absolute corker with with all of it is like because you've learned it, to mask it. Well, yeah, I mean, I can I can I, I describe it as passing for human um, because I've always felt like an alien, and and so I you know I've been forty odd years now of dialing in pretending to be a human. I'm really quite good at it, and but that's not me, and and the thing is, and it's the energy that's required to deal with that that is problematic and the energy that's required to remember how to do all of those things it's hugely draining and entirely unnecessary and because like essentially i keep coming back to there are two questions i always come back to the first is at what cost so you know not financial but energy practicality you know value maybe health what's the cost of this and then the second one which is says who you know in terms of right well that that's how we do this says who like and why what is the basis for that and once you kind of strip all that back and and go get back to the point of who am i what do i want to do and how do i want to do it and then find that place that aligns to that 100 100 but and i think it's very important to say and look you know that there are two things with this i am i'm not by any manner of means pretending to be perfect because i'm not i have screwed up more stuff than i've had at dinners and and you know failure is always an option and sadly you know it, because we are humans we do mess stuff up but there's two things with it the first is that what it says on the tin has to be what happens inside the tin so whatever it is that you say you do has to be reflected by the behaviours that you actually exhibit. So it has to be, as you say, that authentic self. I really don't like that word. But, but, it, but it does, but then that has to be an organisational thing as well. Because my main issue is... and what I, do you I get mean when you say organisational issue, sorry? So, yeah, so I, I get into a lot of scraps with, with people on LinkedIn about this. So if you look at various firms... Now you can get an NQ salary of 150 to 175,000 pounds. What can I start? <laughs> exactly. So, and and my point is, I don't think, I genuinely don't think anyone can really conceive of how hard they're going to work you for that. And the counterpoint to that argument is, oh well, it's quite obvious, you know, and you can only do it for you do it for a while, get your grounding, you know, make the money, and then yeah. move on. The thing is, though, burnout doesn't just happen once. It's like once you have tipped over into that burnout cycle, first, you know, from personal experience, you'll go back into it. But also, the damage that's done by it will be with you forever. And so, and so I don't genuinely think that anyone can really know how hard that's going to be. But also... It's organizations that say we are pro X. And then when you get in there, they go, yeah, unless, of course, that conflicts with the other bit, which is making loads of money, money. in which case, don't worry about X. We'll sort that out next year. We'll just, yeah. Yeah, fine. it's like more aspirational as opposed to actually happening. Yeah. And Ian, just, just to go back to what you've just mm. said there with regards to burnout, like I yeah. know you work with Hannah. Hannah is a yes. coach for lawyers as well. Yeah. And I've spoken to Hannah before. Um, there's another girl, Leah. I think it's Leah. Leah Thomas. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh I'm not sure. yes, yeah, yeah, I know. I know of. I, I wouldn't say I know, but I know of absolutely. Yeah. Um, stuff, yeah. um, 
I've been speaking to those guys. I, we always, we, all the coaching market kind of get together now and again, and we have a wee chat now and again. And I haven't spoken to Hannah properly in ages. But um, just going back to burnout, you're so right about burnout. Um, there was a, a report done by LexisNexis in 2019, and they interviewed lawyers at SME-sized law firms. Mm -hmm. And the report was actually called um, Stress, is it inevitable or is it a problem? Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting in that report was that it came out and said that the lawyers said that um, they feel they don't feel that they're highly stressed but then they went on to explain how they were feeling and the feeling was that they just always felt that they were just below boiling point mm -hmm. and they didn't realize that that is going into burnout yeah. because they were so used to feeling the way that they were that it was they thought that this is the way that lawyers have to operate yes because we're so highly paid um, mm -hmm. because um we have a lot of people dependent on us we we are the duty of care is rammed down our throat so it's so ingrained in our blood so if we cut ourselves it comes spilling out mm -hmm. so all these things that are ingrained in us keeps us in that highly really highly stressed state that we think is normal mm. which yeah and it isn't and it's, it's not no okay it, it's not and 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 the the other thing is that and it doesn't have like the largest impediment to progress is, but we've always done it like this, and 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 you know the the, but we don't have to, and and the other thing is that, like in, there is this argument, and and people have this argument about oh well you know the client you know you can't say no to a client you know but with a ridiculous demand because if you do they'll go elsewhere great off you go then, you go elsewhere. We'll find someone else who, again, is in line with Arva because it's oh, about yeah. it, it's all of that fit across the entire piece. And yeah, if, someone I, doesn't want to, if someone doesn't want to pay for it, they're not a client, they're a debtor. If someone doesn't want to do it within that reasonable period of time, well, again, that's not for us. Now, that's not a failure. And also, like... That it's not a, and I mean, you know, to, obviously, I think we have to ring the bell every time. You have to mention Simon Sinek at some point, otherwise, are you really involved in management? But the, there's there's the question of, you know, his um his one of his books, The Infinite Game, and I do like this idea. On on the thirty first of December, twenty twenty four, I can guarantee that the winner of Law will not be revealed. There will not be a league table, and it won't be this year for twenty twenty four. Clifford Chance have won, and that's not how it works. And there are no points for all of these things. There are no criteria allocated. There's no relegation or promotion. There's no Champions League in relation or European football in relation to law firms. There is just a continuation of that business model and a continuation of that entity. Well, you, you will get the chambers, the chambers kind of try to do that. But, but that ranks people in terms of how good they are as a practitioner yeah absolutely but based but based but and, and and yes there is unquestionably a ranking and people will move up and down absolutely but not as a business 
you know, the, the, no, like, to my knowledge, within Chambers or Legal 500 or any other lawyer ranking or any other lawyer awards, they don't go and ask, how happy are your team members? How fulfilled is, are you, you know, how, you know, what's, you know, what's your profitability? What are they, measuring? What are they uh, exactly, that's a really brilliant point, Ian, I love that. Um, shall we go to legal, uh, shall we go to Chambers and ask them the criteria that how they're ranking and that they should really change it if they really want to help change culture within... Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's you know that the, so none of that you, and 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 so unless you assess on everything you can't actually objectively assess on anything so you have to it's all or nothing and but also it doesn't actually matter because it's whatever you want to achieve as your practice with your team with your vision and your goals and your targets yeah. and if that takes you two years great if it takes you 20 fine you know it doesn't none of it really matters because we don't get another go at this one you know life is not a, is, is is not a dress rehearsal we get what one shot say, based on that ian what would you say that law firms need to do this we're talking about law firms here yeah. which probably will be the same as for in-house lawyers really um to some degree what would you say that they need to do to change <sighs> I, I, I think I think there's two things for me. Okay. The first, the first is sit back and look at any comparable professional services profession. But if you wanted a specific example, say the accountancy world, and mm -hmm. look at how accountants conduct business in terms of things like happiness, job satisfaction, automation, technology, IT, client service, innovation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and take a good long look at that and work out how far ahead of us they are, which is an awfully long way. Yes, um, and, yeah, absolutely, and, yes. But not with any diff fundamentally different tools or materials. They're a regulated body. They still use humans. They're, you know, that so... The, so to the, summarise so, that up for anybody who's listening, would you say that that's... Sit back and think what actually creates a happy business yeah and, 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 and look at what accountants are doing as a good measure of what good looks like and look at it and go right how are we going to because fundamentally whatever the challenges are in the market you know people will talk about ai great people will talk they'll get that confused with expert systems they're different things but anyway um and they talk about innovation and various bits and pieces and how the law is going to be entirely bereft of humans and we're going to be replaced by computers well two things i for one welcome our robot overlords and two, don't be ridiculous, uh, because the, the judgment questions will always still be a human one. Of course. But what is so bad about taking away the drudgery that people hate and automating it and allowing them to do the stuff that they like, which is the judgment calls and the fun bit and the analysis? Mm. Nothing. Right. And will that make them happier? Yes. And are happier people more productive? Yes. Yeah. Says who? Well, Harvard. Uh, for a start. So, um, so, so can I just break that down a tiny bit? Um, yeah. But we're coming towards the end now, and I just want, mm. I want to I want to break that down because you've hit something there about optimization with yeah. technology. I think one one thing that um, the what isn't happening, particularly within the legal industry, is they're not asking the lawyers. No, well, they're that off, was going to be my second they're point. Off, they're off. They're off. Yeah. Well, the, oh, we're, we're single-minded. We're we're synchronizing me. Um, 
that this has all been done in a vacuum mm. without asking the lawyers what they think they might need to make them more happier yeah. at work. And, and, and how to do the and that, that's the second point, which is okay. like the the, fund, the fundamental thing is right. You know, and and I say this about people talk about from with ask me questions about reasonable adjustments for neurodivergent individuals, and it's like right, well, ask them what they want, ask them what ask they them need, what, ask them what they need, ask them how it would be better. So if you accept, if we can get into, if we, point one, we accept that there are a lot of innovations out there that we can work with, yeah. great. But then point two, sit down with your team and go right. Which bits of this job do you despise? Because there will be some, because it's a job. If it isn't, a, you know, if you don't hate some of it, it's not a job. It's 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 fun. Uh, so there will be bits that you don't like. What are they? How could we lift that burden? Which bits do you think are really heavy on manual processes that we could take that away? Which bits do we not make any money on? Because you're busy. You know, which clients do you think? Oh no, not yeah. them. You know, all of all of those things. Because ultimately, once you've got to the point where you are managing a firm, there needs to be this acknowledgement that you're not doing anything anymore other than managing. Now, well, that doesn't that's mean... The that, as, that's the same as in-house as well. That's the same issue. Yeah. and 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 But then your job is to find the people that are doing the thing and go, how can we make doing the thing easier? How do you want me to do that? Because I can go out. You know, as a CEO, I can go out and take a tour of every AI and legal service, you know, legal practice management software in the whole world, and they can tell me, look, and I can think, wow, this is brilliant. However, if I'm not going to be the one using it or the one that doesn't want it or the one that doesn't know how to optimize it or whatever it may be, that's it's entirely useless. Useless 100%. And we're back to that very first point, which is I am now telling you how to do your job which I haven't done for ages, and so actually I no longer know. Now, that's nuts. So if, if we want to change, then we've got to acknowledge we're a fair way off perfect and listen to the people that could get listen us there. Yeah. So just, and even to add on what you've said before to anybody who's listening, so it sounds to me that, first of all, do a health, understand what good actually looks like. Yeah. And don't measure yourself off your own industry because you know the industry isn't great. It's gonna go look at what good looks like. There is there is a um a document that I saw circulating around on the internet. Um and I can't remember who it was set by. I will share it in the um mm. comments below um with regards to what skills that um individuals will need to develop for 2028 in order to be satisfied in the jobs on four businesses to operate successfully. And you've hit a couple of them on the head there is optimization of technology, optimization of people yeah. as well, helping them to become the best versions of themselves. You need to have an infrastructure in place to help that. If you want, if you want to have a good, sustainable, successful business, you need to give something to your people because they're giving a lot to you. And that's a really nice trade-off. Um, if they're going to do a lot of hours, you can help them to manage um, a lot of stress and burnout, for and, and there's this kind of, there's this kind of, and, and I think, again, I don't think it's necessarily just limited to the law, but there is this point of like, oh, no, well, you know, if we spend all this money in training, you know, what, well, what, what if we spend all this money on training and development and then they leave, to which the counterpoint is, what if we don't and they stay, you know, it, it's 
you know, we, we, <laughs> we need to be able to go, we want the best people in our organization. Yes. And, but if they, if they move on for other things, great, um, fantastic. The truth, is, the truth is people don't leave businesses, they leave people. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, so yeah. um, if people are leaving, it's because they don't either feel recognized or valued. Yeah. Um, or they actually decide maybe maybe law isn't for them anymore that they've exactly. decided, um, and that's okay because Correct. you've helped them and then you've given space for the right person to come in. Um, yeah. And the thing is, if, if most of the um, industry are bad into it, it doesn't really matter because you're going to get someone else in who and uh, maybe someone else has invested in and grown them to be the right person within um, your organization. Exactly, and, and 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 you know the right fit. We always talk about fit, but fit is crucial for everybody. But fit is a two-way street, because you know you, you, if you have found those values and various, if it all aligns and it works, then it's beautiful. If it doesn't, however, that is okay, and yes, and 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 there is this this terrible thing of going. Oh well, you know we we'll just. You know, maybe that maybe people will be upset if we said no. Everyone knows, just no one's talking about it. And 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 it's again right back to that sort of cognitive dissonance, that grit in the oyster. Yeah. That and they're not talking about it because they're not asked the question. Yeah, and and who would you know? I believe that the the phrase, and I think it's from the military, is what's called permanent send, which is where someone's accidentally lent on the transmit button on the radio, and you kind of get a word in edgeways, right? If that's if that's the kind of dialogue from the top, well, of course they're never going to tell you anyway <laughs> because they don't feel like they'd be listened to even if they did. Yeah, and, and that makes them feel undervalued, and that's why they're leaving you. Exactly. Um, Ian, can I just say a massive thank you for your time today? We could talk. For, I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, that's a, um, yeah likewise. And I just think you have so much truth inside you, and you're not afraid to speak out. You've got that freedom about you that I think a lot of other lawyers need to hear and see to know that they can actually have the same. And I actually think what you do and Legal Studio, the way you've got it set up, does give a lot of freedom to other lawyers to look at a different way to um, still keep their profession, still keep all their skills, but move into and have a little bit more freedom over how they work, when they work and who they work with. So thank, thank you. Well, thank you very much. I mean, look, as a passing note, we ain't perfect, and I'm certainly not, and I know, and I don't have the monopoly on good ideas. So what we do and how we do it will will definitely develop and I can get better at it. And we, you know, we ain't the finished article yet, but the kind of at the core of that value, it is about enjoying it and being in control. And that, that's where it goes back to that value. So for anybody who's listening on um, Spotify, this is also on, um, I was gonna say Netflix, it's not on Netflix. We're on That'll YouTube. That would be great. I know, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? I would actually get paid for this. Um, we are on YouTube and um, what I am offering out to anybody who's listening to this session today is if you want to learn your values and the direction that you really want to be going in, if you're feeling that you don't really think that you're in the right role or you're feeling really disconnected, um, I'm going to put a link in the comments below for you to book a session with me so you can start to do your value proposition with me.
And thank you, everyone. If you like this content, please um, comment below, subscribe, and click the like button. Um, I'm not really good at this stuff. Um, but thank you again for being here. Um, the next session is going to be out in a couple of weeks, and that is with James Green. And James Green is going to talk to you about how coaching has transformed his in-house legal career. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I'm just going to...